Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Premier League preview show for game week 16 of the 17-18 season. I'm Tom Rennie and coming up on the show... It's David De Gea United against Manchester City this weekend in what could be a title showdown or could be just another significant marker in Pep Guardiola's stroll to the title. Such a shame Paul Pogba got sent off so moronically last week. Are there any other players in red good enough to get the better of those in City blue? Also this weekend, it's Big Sam's first Merseyside derby. West Ham could make it nine without a win and maybe go bottom as their worst ever Premier League start continues with Chelsea, the visitors to the home of disappointment this week. Right, loads of games to get through, but first, let's say hello to TalkSport's football editor, the preview show producer and co-host of this show, a man who's in Moscow more than Vladimir Putin these days. It is David Walker. Welcome back, mate. You're right. Privet. Oh, very nice. Is yeah. that the only thing you've learned? One of the few things I've learned. Vodka, yeah. privet, and... <laughs> uh, Spasiba, which is thank you. All the things you need yeah. to make sure you have a wonderful night in Moscow. Uh, you've survived it. You didn't bring me back a David Sullivan hat, though, no. which I'm not happy I'm with. Gonna go, I'm going to go back a few times, though, Tom, yeah. so we can get that present sorted. Don't worry. Good. I mean, I, I feel as if, you know, unless that I'm going to be in Moscow as well, and I think for the good of society I won't be, you should bring me stuff. That would satiate my desire to be involved in the World Cup. Okay. Can you do that for me? I've got a little um, mascot, okay. the world, official World Cup mascot, like little teddy bear. I can bring that oh, for, what next is week it? for Is you. it better than... What did we have at the, like the Olympics? Like Wenlock um, and Mandeville. Better than them, is it? The Spanner and the yeah, Hammer. Yeah, I think he's like a little, sort of like a dog, sort of fox, sort of dog, wolf sort of creature. Okay, I'm glad you've done all your and research. he's got like sunglasses that you can take on or off. He's got a little ball under his arm. Talk sports football editor there. Um, loads <laughs> of great Premier League stuff going up this weekend. Right, uh, early Saturday is West Ham against Chelsea across the three o'clock UK time kickoff. Spurs against Stoke, Burnley, Watford, Crystal Palace against Bournemouth, Huddersfield, Brighton, and Swansea West Brom. The late game is Newcastle, Leicester. It's Sunday where the big action is. Southampton against Arsenal, followed by Liverpool, Everton, and then we end with the Manchester derby: United against City, the 175th derby between these two teams. Mustafi being chased and harassed by Lingard and Lingard's won it, giving it to Lukaku he skipped past him, played it onto Martial little touch onto Lingard, this will be a beautiful goal it is a beautiful goal, it comes back to Jesse Lingard and he scoops it past Czech We are second in the table we won, I think, four consecutive matches in the Premier League, two at home two away, the two away difficult teams, what for Arsenal, we managed to win and to win well That's, there is no message, there is match Match after match. Ashley has come over towards Joe the back pocket now. He's going to send off Paul Popper, I think, here. He's gone for the back, po- po- uh, back pocket, and the red card is coming out. And-
and Popper has been sent off. Hopefully no injuries. So I, I would like that Paul uh, could play, could play against us. But I, I like to face the team with the best players as possible. But I think at the end it was expression. I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to, to get injured out of players. What a Manchester derby we have got coming up between the two teams who have been at the top of the Premier League all season long. But after this weekend, will it just be one and everybody else? It's Man United against Man City. We are joined by a former City captain to preview this game in Steve Lomas. How are you, mate? You all right? Hi, Tom. How are you doing? Doing very, very well. Listen, let's talk about Man United first, if you don't mind. Let's talk about a man who played in your position, centre midfield, but won't be playing there this weekend in Paul Pogba. Now, you're no stranger, Steve, to getting sent off and getting into a bit of trouble in a game. But when you watch Paul Pogba get sent off last week, did you think, what an idiot? Can you believe he's cost himself a starting berth in maybe the most important Manchester derby in 20 years? Yeah, it was a little bit um, foolhardy to say much, uh, to, to, to follow through, you know what I mean, in terms of he knows that he puts his studs on um, the player that, that, he's, that he's going to uh, cause himself a big problem. And, um, you know, he'd, he'd come back from injury and, and been the missing ingredients, that little bit of X factor from midfield that, that um, you know, City have got it in abundance with Silva and De Bruyne. And that's probably the one thing that Man United were missing, that little bit of something different from midfield. So it'll be a, a massive blow, not just, you know, obviously for the for the Manchester derby, but, you know, three games for the violent conduct. It's, it's, it's a big blow for, mm. for Man United. Um, their home form, though, Man United, very, very good. Um, the longest current unbeaten run at home in the Premier League. Uh, 24 games, 14 wins in that time, and obviously 10 draws. Um is Old Trafford a place to be feared again, and how have they made it so? Well, I think defensively, they've been very resolute. Uh, Mourinho's got them conceding very few goals, and um, so it's given them a platform. Obviously, the start of the season, um, Lukaku was on fire. He's dried up a little bit, but obviously, Tom, when you're only conceding, you know, the odd goal are here, it's been able to give them a platform to win games, um, sometimes 1-0, you know, very tight. And, um, you know, I suppose what they're hoping for is with Pogba being back and, and obviously hopefully helping Lukaku out, he would start hitting the ground again because obviously he's on a bit of a goal route as such. We've seen in so many of these big games over the years, Jose Mourinho, he knows how to get a result when it, when it matters. Obviously, Man City have been playing outstanding football this season. Manchester United... I know they won last week, but they've had a little bit of a dip since their early season mm. dominance. But do you think we'll see again this weekend on Sunday Mourinho stifling the game and doing a number, maybe squeezing out a 1-0 win or something like that? I think 100%. I think you look at the way teams have come to the Etihad. Um, you know, I was at the West Ham game on the Saturday and they, they kept it very tight. Numbers behind the ball. Denied City space through the middle. <clears throat> let them play it wide because they know that, that they don't like crossing it <laughs> too often. Uh, and, um, you know, we prefer to work it into Silver, De Bruyne, uh, get it through the Aguero. So I think that'll be the tactic, deny them space through the middle, make them play wide, and, and hopefully be able to have enough defensively to defend crosses in situations like that and, and look to, to, to maybe play a little bit on the counter. Dave, I know you're our stats man here, but I've actually had time to do a bit of research this week. This is amazing, this, right? So Edison, the City goalkeeper, has made 20 saves in 15 Premier League games for Man City. Mm -hmm. David De Gea 
saved 21 shots in his last four games, including 14 against Arsenal last week. Now, Steve, I was doing the commentary of that game last week, and some of the saves he was making and the consistency of those saves, certainly towards the end of the first half, were incredible. I mean, should David De Gea not be playing for someone better than this? <laughs> I think, listen, he's up there, you know, the top, you know, Naya would be me for number one, but David De Gea ain't far behind, um, you know, Naya. I think Naya plays a little bit high up, he's like almost like a sweeper, but, you know, some of the saves, like you said, Tom, last week were outstanding, his reflexes and being able to get up the double stops, you know, it's just phenomenal. But I think that's the difference between the two teams, Tom. You look at City like to dominate position, so, you know, there's very rarely that teams are able to attack City. That's why, um, you know, the keeper has so little little to do apart from feel the ball and, and you know, serve it out to his fullbacks. Um, Man United are obviously slightly play slightly different um, in terms of they're not they're happy not to have to dominate the ball all the time and, and win games another way. So it's actually set up very interestingly about what they're going to do. Mm. You know, City like to dominate possession. Man United are happy not to. What way will it go? Um, the problem Rio has is the Man United fans. This City are totally dominating possession at their place. <laughs> they won't be too happy with that there. So it'll be it'll be a, you know interesting dynamic what way the match pans out in the tactical side, both managers do. I think Pep will play the way he plays, you know, total football, try and dominate the ball, make the pitch big, um, whereas Mourinho will probably do the opposite and try and make the pitch small and try and hit on the counter-attack with the tactics, pace and power up front. Now, Mourinho has only won four of his 19 meetings with Guardiola. Which is interesting. Yeah, well, you know, I think it shows you that... Um, you know, I know a lot of it has been made at certain times that possession ain't everything. You look at Leicester when they won the league, but I think in terms of where it gives Man City the platform, if they keep, you know, and I was at the game, if take West Ham as, 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 a, as, a, as a point, they just kept being patient, passing the ball, and in the end up, the key players, the Bruno, who, who was very quiet against West Ham, picks out a lovely pass, and Silva finishes with a, with a plum. Um, and I think the way Pep sees it is if he dominates the ball, they're hard to be attacked against. And also, it allows their you know players like Silva, De Bruyne, um, to get into positions where they can they can hurt oppositions. And um, so far this season, it's, it's proved key. I want to talk more to Steve Lomas in a few moments' time about Manchester City because they have been so, so good this year. Uh, and also, we, we've got to ask you guys out there as well, Dave, what's your opinion on this? Do Man U actually have a good defence or do they just have a good goalkeeper? Because after the game last week, I kept hearing repeatedly about, oh, wasn't it great they stopped Arsenal? Well, they're 33 shots, Arsenal. No one stopped them. Only one man stopped them, yeah. and it was the goalkeeper. No, it's a good point. I think De Gea has won them a lot of points in the last few seasons, and their defensive lineup has changed quite a lot, hasn't it? They've got some good defenders, but they don't always have the chance to build up the regular partnerships. They've changed the system a lot. You've got players like Young playing at sort of fullback or wingback, mm. and you know they they have got a good defensive record, so you can't take that away from them. But it, that, yeah, I think. De Gea has certainly papered over cracks in the last few seasons. Uh, more on this game to come with Steve Lomas. It's the Premier League preview show.
You're listening to the Premier League preview show for game week 16 of the season. The former Man City captain Steve Lomas is still with us on the line. Steve, uh, thanks for hanging around, mate. Let's talk about Man City. Lost in midweek, so, I mean, it's crisis time, right? What happened? Well, I think you give the younger players, which was great. I think it's another plus that, that, that you know, we've now got a manager at Man City, even with all the money that, that he's happy to throw the youngsters in and give them the taste if they're good enough. Uh, two or three lads got great. Fodgenham just made his debut, second youngest in the Champions League ever. So great experience for him. You know, they'd, they got through, and obviously it was a bonus Tom, that they could rest players ahead of the Manchester Derby, you know. Um, so hopefully they'll be fresh and, and and ready to go at the weekend. Who plays up front this weekend for Man City? Because Aguero's not scored for a little while. Gabriel Jesus, mm. though his record statistically is great, when I watch him, I, I don't quite see that, that rhythm, that natural striker's instinct we saw last season. So who plays up front this weekend for you? I think that's his big call today because obviously it wasn't he, he, he didn't like playing two up front as an orthodox two he thinks they make the same runs and crowd each other's area but with with West Ham sitting so deeply through the two on and it, it ended up being the catalyst for, for, for them you know pushing on and getting the win against um, West Ham even though obviously it was, it was De Bruyne and Silva who, who made and scored the goal um, it's, it's a big top, big call for them I think he'll stick with Aguero. Um, he seems to, to like his use off the bench when the game stretched. So, um, but but it'll be an interesting call um, to see what way he goes. Listen, whoever plays, you know they're both fantastic players. Um, but I can't see him going at the start with the two of them up front against Man United. Maybe if Man United, well, I don't think they'll sit as deep and and not have as as much possession as West Ham, but. If the, if the game pans out that way, maybe second half he comes on and, and changes the game. Uh, finally, Steve, on this game, quick prediction. How do you see it going? And if City win it, is that the title race completely over? I think it's going to be tight, but I, I do see um, Man City nicking it um, 2-1. Um, I think, you know, Man United know they'll be up for it. They have to be because they know if, if Man City wins. But I just think they've got so much quality, even when they're not at their best. It just takes one minute, um, one second to, to, to create something with, with the players they have going forward. Sammy's now back. He's had two or three games under his belt. Sterling, um, Silva, De Bruyne. I just think they've got that little bit more going forward in the attacking areas and you know yeah, without Paul Pogba, I think all of us are finding it very difficult to, to make a case for Man United winning this one without ruining all football. Um, talking about ruining football, let's talk about West Ham, shall we? Uh, second from bottom in the Premier League, 10 points from 15. Steve, this is a worse start than when they got relegated under Avram Grant. How on earth have West Ham been worse than when they were under a man who spent 95% of his time having a nap? Yeah, it... it... It's astonishing to, to think, because if you look at the squad, I think on a whole, um, it's a decent squad. It certainly shouldn't be languishing at the bottom of the table, but things have conspired, I think, and it's built up now there's a lack of confidence, and they've had to have a change of manager. Um, three games away at the start of the season wasn't great. Um, puts you in a bad form when you consider it, it was a poor season the season before. They needed to hit the ground running. They didn't do um, so the apathy with the team and, and the players continued. Um, they've had a few injuries, especially in defence. Obviously, James Collins, Font, 
and now you've got Winston Reid, so there's been very hard to get any continuity to the back four or three, whatever way you wanted to play. So been, that been considered, we've been chopping and changing a lot, um, Tom, and, and it's not it's not helped. But I think the good thing about last weekend was you finally seen a bit more of a David Moy side where energy, getting about people, being hard to beat, and they're going to need that right up, up until the end of the season. I think January is a key month um, in terms of who he brings in. And also we've got a lot of the bottom six in that January. So if we don't pick up sort of nine, ten points in January, I think we can kiss goodbye to, to the Premier League. Now this will be the 41st consecutive Premier League match day in which David Moyes has started a, you know, in charge of a team in the relegation zone, forty-one games. Great appointment. Which is only the second worst in the in the history. John Gorman at Swindon. Is, Swindon, is yeah, worst. yeah. But what has happened to Moyes? Really, he was he was he was so admired mm. at Everton, so much so that Alex Ferguson appointed him as his successor. Mm. The and I know the one. expectations at Manchester United are different, and that was going to be a tough job for whoever mm. walked in there. But Sunderland and Real Sociedad. And now here, he's just mis- he's been so miserable, so downbeat. It just it does look like something has changed, and he just doesn't seem to be the man that he was. Well, I think it's, it's difficult, and it, I suppose that really boils down to where you pick. You know, if you look at somebody like myself, he was doing well at St Johnson, and then you know picked the wrong choice to go to Millwall, and then you're out of a job and you're struggling, so your stock's high. Obviously, he couldn't turn the Man United job down, and I think it was always going to be a tough ask, like you said, Tom. But maybe if you really, really ask David that, you know, he said that he didn't regret going to Spain, but it was another job where it's portrayed as not doing well. Obviously, he takes the Sunderland job. It's another really difficult job in, in terms of, so you're not getting any betting in time. Whereas, and I suppose, you look at it, the, the key thing about David's success was building over, over a period of time. He did that at Preston and then he moved on to Everton. He did it again at Everton. Um, for a long period of time, time continuity, uh, and and maybe sometimes the choices you make, you know, he says that the only one he really regrets is Sunderland, um, because obviously he knew straight away that that the club was in massive trouble. But I suppose the problem he's got is he's going to a club to do some sort of redemption, but unfortunately the clubs has been in a bad way. You know, you look at clubs that tend to go down. It happens over a period of, of two or three seasons. Sunderland was probably even more over five seasons. But West Ham, if you certainly look since, you know, the finished seventh, there's been a lot of poor decisions made. Yeah. Um, and it's been building up some. You know, last season was very poor. It continues again. Um, and, and small things, I say, you know, if you start the season and you've got a couple of games at home and you win them, and it kick-starts the season, but, you know, three games away, no points from nine, and it just continues from there. And I just think this has been building up, and it, I think that's why I think January is a key month, who he brings in, how he, yeah. you know, arrests that there, because I feel that we could easily be bottom of the league come January. Well, with, we could be bottom of the league this weekend if, if West Ham lose against Chelsea, which they probably will, and Swansea win. That's, that's the only yeah. hope that we've do got. Want, do you want a little, beacon, a little beacon of hope? Yeah, go on. We'll clutch at some straws, shall yeah, we? let's do it. Uh, Moyes has won four of his, far, of his last five Premier League home games against reigning champions with Italian managers. 
Yeah, that's I, I, I feel no hope <laughs> from that at all. Um, so well, you can well, ask well, a quick well, question well. about um, about who plays in goal because he's tried a lot of formations, a lot of players. Um, he's only had one home game, to be fair to David Moyes. Like the fixtures have not been kind to him. The home games he's got are then Chelsea and Arsenal, so he's had a bit of bad yeah. luck. To, 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 to that, I think that's worth worth mentioning for for his record so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but Joe Hart was so bad against Everton. When I watched Adrian against City, I know you were at the game. It felt a bit weird to me watching a West Ham goalkeeper make saves. I thought it was banned. <laughs> I think, listen, that's probably a little bit harsh, I think. If you're looking at, you're saying that David's been a bit unlucky, I think Jill's been very unlucky to be playing behind um, a defence that chops and changes, not even every week, but every game. Mm. Um, so I don't think that's helped him. I think there's been games where he's kept his arm looking and thinking about the Crystal Palace game where he earned at a point where we could quite easily have been could have quite easily been seven. So there, there has been been good times for, for Joe Hart. But I, I did say before the game, I think it was even if Joe was available against his parent club, it it needed a bit of freshening up. And sometimes it just needs a change. And and I think if you look, don't get me wrong, Adrian was decent, but every shot was down his throat. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There were decent there were decent saves. Um, you know, Man City weren't at the best, but and that's not taking anything away from Adrian because he, I do believe he's a very good goalkeeper. And if I'm being pushed, I didn't think it was a key area that we that we needed. We needed other areas needed needed strength, and, and the goalkeeper thought the two that we had last season were were, were more than adequate. Um, but I can understand why they did go for Joe Hart. Of course, I can. But um, if you'd have said to me at the start, my priorities goalkeeper would certainly have not have been in the first five five uh, signings, that's for certain. Uh, Steve, Chelsea this week for West Ham. Chelsea um, second in their Champions League group this week. A big disappointment for them against Atletico. Um, how do you see them setting up this weekend? And do we see anything other than a big Chelsea win, Eden Hazard style of the show? Well, yeah, I think so. I think with a big, big space, is it, you know, it's not like you're coming up from Park where it's tight and intimidating, I think. Chelsea were well, it's just I do not think that West Ham can probably play as conservative as they did at home, and I think that is the problem. You know, the fans will demand them, you know, at least go forward uh, a little bit, and um, I think whenever they do, that's when Chelsea are at, at their best. And I also think, you know, as well as the back back three did, you know, if 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 they have Creswell at left side, centre half. Um, you know, I could see you know Nerati up front. You know, Man City don't cross balls, but it, certainly Chelsea will. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Reed's back. I don't know if he, if, if, if he is. Uh, um, you know, because certainly we'll have to stand up to the physical side um, as well as I think with Chelsea as well. They've got Kante back, which is a big, 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 big plus for them. Um, he just makes a world of difference whenever, whenever he, he, he's not there. Um, so I can only, unfortunately, as well as uh, as, as I'd hoped that West Ham will, will get something and, and try and build off a good performance. I said before the Man City game that David Moyes probably doesn't expect a result, um, but we nearly got it. But he must have been delighted with the performance, um, the resilient everything that he'd asked for them before the game. You know, if we could really take that on and get a result, it would try and build a bit of momentum because that, you know, obviously for 18 months we've just struggled to get any momentum and positivity around the place yeah. through a, a, you know, a series of, of results and, and, and wins and you know, hopefully, I don't think it's going to start uh, this weekend, I hope more than anything, but 
I think January is the key month for, for West Ham. Yeah, eight games without a win. Could be nine this weekend. Uh, West Ham look like they're going down right now unless they're going to be able to pick up some surprise points. And boy, would it be a surprise against Chelsea this weekend. Former West Ham captain Steve Lomas. Thanks for your time, mate. We'll speak to you again no soon. No problem, Sam. Cheers, mate. Stevie Lomas there trying desperately to cheer us up. Loads more to get through. We'll talk Merseyside Derby with Neil Mellon next. If you show weaknesses in a game like this, um, these teams will all use them. I know what Everton want, and I know what the fans want, and I know what I want. Oh, what a goal! What a goal that is! Pick that one out! Salah tries a drive! Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. What a goal! Mo Calvert Lewin in space on the right wing. Meshes a ball into the far post. Rudy! The roar tells you the story. As ever, very, very excited about the Merseyside derby. Uh, Everton. Winless in 17 successive Premier League visits to Anfield. We all know this stat by now. The last time they were able to get victory against the Reds away from home in the league, September 1999. That great and famous Kevin Campbell goal. Will they be able to do it this weekend under Big Sam, who managed to win at Anfield as recently as April 2017 with Crystal Palace? We are joined by our former Liverpool striker to look ahead to this game. Neil Miller is on the line. How are you, mate? You all right? Hi, Tom. All right. Listen, before we get into the history of this fixture, and I've been watching on the telly today some great games from the early and mid-80s when the pitch is like a sand pit and people are booting each other up in the air. You've got great players on either side. Kenny Dalgleish, I've just 
just watched a few minutes ago doing an incredible turn and shot. At the other end, you've got Dave Watson putting in strong tackles for Everton. It's an incredible, incredible fixture. And for me, a more historic and bigger fixture than the Manchester derby. Before we get into all that, though, you were watching the, the Shakhtar game uh, in mm. midweek. Uh, and um, Well, the Spartak-Moscow game, sorry, in midweek. Uh, uh, what an incredible performance going forward again. And yet, immediately afterwards, people are saying to Philippe Coutinho, so when are you leaving, mate? <laughs> I know, I know, and and the lead up to that game, it was interesting because I mean Liverpool have been in great form recently. There's been a real confidence, momentum about them, but it was still a big game because Liverpool knew that if they didn't win the game, it was possible that they'd end up out of Europe. So it was uh, there's a lot riding on it. There's a little bit of pressure, and often when there has been those occasions. Under Jürgen, Liverpool thinking back to Dortmund, the Europa League. Middlesbrough back uh, last game of last season to get into the top four. The boys have delivered. And last night was no different. It was a really enjoyable evening to be inside Anfield. It, the football was absolutely superb. It was entertaining. It was it was creativity. It was clinical finishing. Some of the goals were superb. And and absolutely battered a Spartak side who was supposedly mm. seeded one in, in, in the group. So mm. um, Liverpool progressed as group winners and delivered last night, which, which was excellent. Talk to me about that front four. What is so good about them? What is it about them that makes them as lethal as they are? I mean, the goal-scoring record, the amount of times they put the ball in the back of the net, 23 goals in the group mm. stage of a Champions League, a record for an English club, uh, 15 goals in their last three matches. Um, why are they so good? Well, well there's some great stats. Uh, you look at it and you, and you think... Coutinho is, is a creative influence. Mane and Salah, the pace that they have, the creative ability. Now, Firmino is the interesting one, and he sort of makes it all work because he's not a natural number nine striker. You think about some of the strikers like Harry Kane, Lukaku, Aguero. He's not that out-and-out number nine, but his numbers are actually better than, than, than a lot of strikers in the Premier League at the moment because he just hovers in that false nine position, and he wins the ball back in such good areas and then allows the, the attacking influences of Mane and Salah out wide with the pace they have and the creative ability of Coutinho. So they have the pace, they have the creativity, and something they were missing earlier on in the season was that clinical edge in the final third. They've got that and, and scoring goals for, for fun at the moment. Um, we have to talk briefly about that back line and who you think will play this weekend. Alberto Moreno went off injured uh, in mm-hmm. the game in midweek and seemed to be in tears when he went off. So, I mean, I don't know how serious that injury is as we talk to you, mm-hmm. but I would imagine he's not going to be fit enough for this weekend. So, who comes in at left back? We saw uh, Clavin and Lovren in midweek. Would you imagine that would be the pairing? Who goes in goal? And does Joe Gomez start at right? What, what's the back line for you? Well, definitely two changes, without a shadow of a doubt, for the game against Everton. Goalkeeper being one of them. Carrius has come in and played all the Champions League games, but he's gone back to Mignolet for Premier League, so that'll be one change. And then, as you say about Moreno's injury uh, at left fullback, he may well bring Robertson in, which he played left wing back against Brighton. Did very well. James Milner played the second half at left fullback uh, against Sparta at Moscow on Wednesday night and was involved in three of the goals. And that would be the more likely option, bringing James Milner back in. But then Lovren went off after 60 minutes, so I think there'll be an assessment made between now and the game against Everton, whether he's deemed fit enough. Because Liverpool were short defensively against Brighton, went with a back three. Two of the back three were centre midfield players in Emre Chan and Wijnaldum. And to be fair, weren't really tested against Brighton. Not expecting Everton to come to Anfield and make it an open game. So defensively, the concentration will need to be there. But I'm not too concerned that Everton are really going to make it an open game and, and go at that Liverpool defence. 
How fearful do you think the Premier League and the rest of Europe are of that Liverpool front line and the way they play football? Because Joe Gomez and Jurgen Klopp have all basically come out and said, well, no one's going to want to play Liverpool right now. Um, do you think they do have that fear factor? Will Everton be feeling that this weekend? Yeah, I don't think Everton will be looking forward to it because of the form that Liverpool are in as a team, but also the front four, they're absolutely flying. And you have to give Jürgen credit because he's, he's rotated it a little bit. There's attacking players, so there's been freshness against Brighton, unused sub Mane, all of a sudden against Spartak. He's flying, he's desperate to be involved and performs really well. Against Stoke, Coutinho, unused sub, so he's rotating it. So the freshness is there. And Everton won't look forward to playing against that attacking talent. Um, I think when you mention about perhaps Champions League and, and Gomez saying no one will, will, will fancy playing us, the concern for Liverpool will be the vulnerability defensively, which has been highlighted at times this season. The good thing is, the next time they play in the Champions League will be February. So they've got January to address uh, and strengthen in those defensive areas so they can be stronger in those areas when they come up against better attacks, which they will do in Europe. And they're going to have that sweet Coutinho money to spend as well. That's going to be great, isn't it? <laughs> but you can't well, wait what? to spend that. Well, 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 I mean, he's a special talent. And, and you've got to give credit to the owners and the manager for keeping him because Barca were desperate for him. You know, there's a lot of figures banded about how much they actually bid for him. We don't actually know, but it was over 100 million. We do know that, which was a lot of money. This season, he's performing at a level where you're saying he's one of the top performers in the Premier League again this season. So his value is only going to be increasing. Um, and, and then decisions will have to be made at the end of the season. I don't see there being a decision made in January. I think it'll be a big part of Liverpool's um, plans this season. And an important part if Liverpool want to achieve anything. I don't know if people can audibly hear someone crossing their fingers, but that's what that was. Um, what I want to ask you about Everton. <laughs> Would you feel more confident of victory for Liverpool this weekend if Big Sam had yet to be appointed. Do you think that they will have, even in this short space of time, been able to take on those Sam lessons? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think we're all hoping that they would still be a little bit unsettled. Any football club without a manager, a caretaker in charge, it's an unsettled time because people are unsure what's going on. Um, now they've appointed Big Sam Allardyce, who, who has a good record in terms of getting them organised. And, and he's had a quick response early on with a couple of results, probably expected results, um, West Ham and Huddersfield at home away from home they've been poor in the Premier League yet to win a game could do without the Europa League game in Cyprus I know he's taking a young squad there um, so the preparation time will, will be limited I think we all know it's almost a nothing to lose game for Everton because Liverpool are absolutely flying at the moment they've got a terrible record at Anfield no one's giving them a chance but if they were to get an unlikely draw then all of a sudden that would be a huge result for Sam Allardyce and Everton have you been surprised, I mean, how quickly Everton seemed to, to panic this season? Because you appoint Big Sam, there is a sense of panic. They beat West Ham for, for myriad reasons. One against <laughs> Huddersfield the week after that. They're mm. now only, what, 11 points behind Liverpool, who are fourth. You know, we, we're talking about with two-thirds of the season still to go. There has been no crisis, but they seem to have been panicking already, Everton. What do you make to that? Well, I don't think they'll get top four. Um, <laughs> I think they'll do well to finish 11 points off top four at the end of the season. I don't, I don't see, see them being in trouble. It was a poor start, wasn't it? And Keeman was under pressure. They never replaced the goals of Lukaku, and that's been a problem all season. I look at the list of injuries that they have at the moment to key players who would strengthen their starting lineup: Baines, McCarthy, Barkley, Balassi, Coleman. You know, there's four or five players mm. who would strengthen their starting eleven straight away. Um, so I, th I think Sam's gone in there at a good time where 
they're going to get out of trouble. There's no doubt about that. I think realistically, seventh place would be um, as good a finish as it will be for Everton as it has been in previous seasons. I just think the top six in the Premier League are that far ahead of everybody else. It's going to be hard to really infiltrate that. So how's it going this weekend then? Any chance of us not mentioning the next time Everton go to Anfield, Kevin Campbell's 1999 goal? The the only concern I have is complacency. And I think after the high against Spartak Moscow, the seven goals, it's up to the manager now to get the players recovered, uh, prepared in time for this derby game and make sure mentally they are ready to, to go again and start the game the way they started against Spartak, really getting... Uh, in amongst that Everton defence. I think Everton will come to Anfield and try and frustrate Liverpool, try and make it difficult. Not a lot of space for Coutinho to get on the ball. I think teams that have succeeded at Anfield have put two players around um, Coutinho. I'm thinking about United, but Herrera and Fellaini and really just nullified the game. It was um, it, it was frustrating. and I, I see no different from Everton and maybe trying to nick it from a set piece. It's possible, but I have to say the form Liverpool are in and, and the confidence of the attacking players at the moment. I'm, I'm confident that Liverpool can maintain this good record we have against Everton. Former Liverpool striker Neil Mellor, thanks for your time on the preview show going for a Liverpool win. We'll speak to you soon. Cheers, Tom. That's the end of the big derbies for this weekend, but still big games right across Saturday and Sunday. We'll talk about Spurs next. They need to arrest their Premier League slide. They're up against a Stoke City side. They usually beat 4-0. It's the Premier League preview show. Trying to break out now, a very strong challenge by Davison. Sanchez goes in on Pacholis, and Pacholis is sent sprawling. And the Watford fans are calling for a red card here for Sanchez. The referee is taking advice from his assistant, and it's going to be a red card. Davison Sanchez is sent off. Still loads more to get through on the Premier League preview show. Let's get to our international feature game at 3 o'clock UK time this Saturday as Tottenham take on Stoke City, a game they often win by four goals to nil. And boy, they need a big win this week because Spurs find themselves bottom of the top six, which is nowhere. Uh, let's talk to a former Spurs player in Gary O'Reilly who joins us on the line. How are you, Gary? You all right, mate? I'm good. How's things? Yeah, it's all going fairly well for me, but... Not so good for Tottenham, really. What's gone no. wrong in recent weeks in the Premier League? Oh, I don't know. Is it the, the Champions League hangover? You, I've spoke to Spurs fans, and they just point their finger at one thing. Toby, out of world. Since he's not playing, things haven't happened. Uh, it, I think it just shows you. You focus on Harry Kane. You focus on Deli Alli. You focus on all the attacking that Tottenham do, and it's awesome. But that sort of unheralded work at the back shows you just how important he is to the team. Um, I think looking at his absence has been a big blow for them in terms of uh, keeping scores down and uh, keeping clean sheets. This next few games, starting with this game against Stoke, absolutely vital for Spurs this season because they're actually closer to the bottom three than the team who are winning the league right now in Man City. So they can't really afford to drop any more points at Wembley. Surely there are no more excuses now for those poor performances at the home of English football. First few weeks, yeah, fine. It's December now. No, I, I think you've, you know, you're through the, the group phase of uh, the Champions League. You've won your group. It's very comfortable. Interestingly, he played a basically a second-string 11 uh, on Wednesday evening against Apoel. But you know what? They've not won since they beat Crystal Palace, I think, November the 5th. Mm. And people tell me they were lucky to win that game. So no more excuses. I, you know, I'm with you on that. They've got, they've got to start building up. And that's mental. That's a mental thing. Spurs used to get accused of 
and mental fragility when it came to certain stages of the season or certain games. And that looked as if it was beginning to dissolve and, and Pochettino had them in the right mindset. That's got to be found again. And uh, I don't think there are any excuses. I think he's quite right in saying their title, their title hopes are over mm. unless something completely goes wrong above them. And uh, I don't believe I can see that, and neither will you. But you're looking at that and saying, no excuses. You've got to put it down and get those wins. I mean, Burnley being above Tottenham. No, that's not, that's not something, with all due respect to Burnley, Spurs fans are going to accept, let alone being, being behind Arsenal, not having had that success over the last couple of seasons in the league. So, uh, yeah, excuses are finished. Well, they wouldn't be behind uh, Burnley if they managed to beat them earlier in the season. Mm. Oh, no, no, for sure. I agree with you. So it's those points. I mean, credit to Burnley because it's not a fluke. You know, if they beat Tottenham and then lost the rest of the games, you'd say they got lucky. But they haven't. They're there on merit. And I think that's the point. You look at Tottenham. They are where they are on merit. Uh, and with Spurs, you mentioned Alderweireld, but also they've had Wanyama out for so much of this season. Dembele has missed moments. Dembele has missed uh, stages of this season as well. Kyle Walker gone. Uh, and I'm not a fan of Serge Aurier. He seems utterly erratic whenever I've seen him play. Uh, and we've had this debate about Spurs a lot. When the first team gets broken down, the opponents have opportunities against them. And for Stoke this weekend, they often struggle away against Spurs, as we've mentioned. But what they've got right now in Shakiri is, for me, one of the best players in the Premier League right now. The goals he's scoring, the form he's in, uh, the way he's kind of running games at times. Brighton, he was fantastic. Palace, he was fantastic. Scored in that game as well. Four goals yeah. and five assists in his last 11 matches. And, of course, they've got a resurgent Peter Crouch. Hmm? Now, I'm slightly concerned because if you look at the goals against or the goals difference for Stoke, it's horrendous. But then you remember they got walloped by Manchester City and Liverpool and that's kind of skewed it in terms of two games and the, and the goal difference. But Peter Crouch, I don't know, is that a problem? If this guy at his age is still your joint leading goal scorer? Are you not looking to other people within the team to say, yeah, it's my responsibility to bring goals as well here? Mm. Well, I mean, they don't really have anyone else. I mean, that's the point. Chupa Moting is a winger playing up front. Um, but there's no one else. They've sold Johnny Walters, who's been such a stalwart of that team for such a long time, coming Agreed. in, and, and he's gone. Um, there isn't really anyone else, so he kind of has to do it. Which no, is... that's, that's the point I'm making. They are at that stage where they have to go to Peter Crouch, and there's talk of offering him a new contract, and I think it's fabulous mm. at this stage of his career that he's still doing it. And, and you know, he's, I think he's got like a 70-something percent accuracy of shots on goal. Well, that's talent. <laughs> I mean, that's an awesome and that's great research is what that is. Um, listen, let's move on to another of your former teams, Crystal Palace, up against Bournemouth this mm. weekend. Palace, uh, one win in the last five. Uh, they have got better. Uh, three draws in, in that time as well. So I'm beating their last four. Well, you know what? It, it's funny because y- they couldn't get worse, it's fair to say. But a lot of people wrote them off. I never wrote them off. I thought they would survive. And I still think so. And at home, they score goals as well, don't they? Oh, that's just it. You go and speak to Palace fans and say, we can't score. Christian Benteke and they hold their heads. I mean, what I would look now is, is what effect Roy Hodgson has had since his arrival. Um, has that been Roy's influence or has that been the return of Wilfred Zaha? I mean, you look at it, they've not conceded a goal in the last two games, mm. but they haven't scored a goal. And you're looking at your, your leading man, Christian Benteke, and saying... I need you. We've talked about responsibility. This is the time now with the games beginning to, to mount up in December where a striker can go on a hot streak. And we've seen that with Benteke before. Once, and he looked, when I watched him in the Brighton game, he looked so short of confidence. 
he was moving away for the ball, he wasn't attacking the ball in areas where you thought, just attack that. So I think in his mind that he's trying to work out what it is. And sometimes you overthink the situation. Gary, there's one question for you on Brighton as well, up against Huddersfield Town mm. uh, this weekend, another of your former teams. Big game, this. Uh, and a massive game, because Brighton have gone four games without victory and have suddenly looked uncharacteristically inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I, I like about Brighton, um, and I'll hold my hand up, I nailed them onto relegation before the season, and I have got to look at Brighton fans in the face, and they're going, <laughs> don't blame them. But they're solid organisation. They've looked really, really strong as two banks of four. They work well on counter-attack, but we go back to this, this theme that we've been discussing about these last games, goal scorers. The Albion don't have a machine up front that can churn out goals. Glenn Murray is using all of his experience right now to achieve that. You've got Pascal Gross in there, who's been a great acquisition by the club. And uh, Anthony Knockhart is, uh, is finding that sort of transition from Championship to Premier League a little bit harder because he was running the show in the Championship. But I like what they're doing. I just wonder, you know, when you look at... When you look at their opponents, Huddersfield, they've scored nine goals all season. Nine. And three of those came on the opening day of the season against Palace. They don't look like they're going to score. They weren't setting themselves up in situations where you're thinking, there's a chance here, there's a half chance. It just didn't seem to be there. The organisation was so impressive. You had the ball, they slammed you down. And you could see why they made such an impression in the early start of the season. But now teams are looking at them, working them out, working ways to unravel their game plan. Yeah, I've got the feel of Middlesbrough from last season. Uh, have Huddersfield Town at the moment. Big game against Brighton this weekend. Uh, Gary O'Reilly, thanks for your time, mate. We'll speak to you again soon. Absolute pleasure. Look forward to it. Right, let's press on. Southampton against Arsenal. David Walker, what a game this is uh, for both of these teams. For Southampton, a good performance uh, against Bournemouth last time out. They've got Charlie Austin in great goal-scoring form up against an Arsenal side who will need a big reaction after last weekend's dominant performance against Man U for so much of the game. But, I mean, Arsenal fans, let's not revel in the fact you dominated a game and didn't win. That's the biggest issue that Arsenal have had for such a long time. No, I mean, they got caught, they got done. It was two, the two for early goals, though, were individual yeah. errors from Arsenal players. Gave the ball away in terrible positions. Man United swiftly capitalised and then they got done on the break for that third goal when they were just had the Man United goal under siege and mm. if they play the way they did for most of that game against Manchester United and if they have the same amount of shots yeah. against Southampton they should win this match yeah I mean going forward it's so great to see Lacazette, Sanchez, Ozil, Ramsey, Xhaka all these guys getting forward I mean they haven't got a defensive bone between them but going forward some of it was absolutely fantastic look let's move on uh, Newcastle against Leicester is the 5.30 kickoff UK time this Ooh, Saturday Newcastle's win here, didn't he? very very poor in recent weeks what's happened to Newcastle for you you know we, we thought going into this season that they would be relying upon Rafa's ability to organise the side, make them hard to beat. It didn't look like they had loads of attacking talent. And I think that's still the situation here. So they've lost a key defensive player. They're still, like we are just talking about with Brighton and Huddersfield, I mean, they've got Dwight Gale, they've got Richie, who's a good creator of goals. But there's no one there that you'd hang your hat on to no. score them 20-plus goals who could really fire them 
up into the upper reaches or mid-table or, or beyond. And Leicester on really good form right now as well under Claude Puel, unbelievably looking to win three consecutive Premier League games for the first time as a manager in this division. Never managed it for Southampton. Uh, and they're in ninth and they look like the ninth or maybe eighth or seventh best squad in the league. Uh, and they're playing yeah. that way. I'll tell you the seventh best squad is, mate. Well, let's do them right now, shall we? Yeah. Uh, Burnley Watford face each other this weekend. Um, these two teams have never been this high in the Premier no. League at this stage. Uh, and away from home, I mean, probably the last team I'm visiting me right now is Watford because away from home, it's so contrasting to so much of what we saw of Watford last season. Going, I mean, are, are they good at home? Right? I'm not saying they're not good at home, but away from home, it just seems to work. Everything seems to click. Yeah. And these people like Richarlison, they get a little bit of room away from home. Andre Gray running into space off the back of the last defender. They're a fantastic away team. They've already got more points away from home than they got last season under Walter Mazzari. And yeah, it does seem to suit us playing perhaps a little bit on the, you know, no, not necessarily on the counter. We, we're not a defensive team. Silver doesn't set them up to sort of absorb pressure. They are quite attacking. But they know they're how to... on the front foot. And but, they know how to take advantage of teams' frailties mm. at home. But the trouble is with Burnley, they ain't got no frailties at home. No. Very, very solid uh, at home uh, in defence. They've kept four clean sheets at home this season. Only conceded three goals. Never more than once in any any particular match at home it's going to be a tough game Burnley are very impressive mm. we keep expecting them to fall away and at the moment them and Watford seem to be the teams that are really vying for that seventh spot and if any of the top six slip up or if the cup competitions go a certain way seventh spot could even get you into the Europa League next season. Oh, there's one game you not mentioned. Real shame for me this weekend that Huddersfield find themselves in 16th because we could be seeing right now the Alan Pardew four-team sandwich if it wasn't for Huddersfield. You go above Swansea, you've got West Ham, Palace, West Brom, then it would have been Newcastle. It really made me sad I couldn't see them teams together. But that's another thing. Uh, it's West Brom under Pards this week Quite going sandwich, to Swansea. Uh, yeah, not a tasty one. It's a um, big club sandwich, yeah. literally. Beautiful. Um, listen, Swansea, there's been lots of reports this week. There were some quotes uh, from Mike van der Horn, some quotes from Clement as well, saying they had a, a bit of a row between the, the, the playing staff trying to just find out some home truths about why they've struggled. And I just wonder, with Swansea, is it about application or is it the fact this squad is a championship squad and it was always going? Well, they have lost some of their good players. They've lost key players in attacking areas. I mean, last season... They just about stayed up. But, I mean, you want to say, why, why are they in this situation? Well, I'll tell you why. Because they've attempted just 27, target, uh, they've attempted just 27 shots on target in 15 <laughs> Premier League matches this season. That tally is at least 10 fewer than every other team within the so-called top five European leagues. <laughs> Uh, Swansea West Brom, the last game of this week's preview show. We are out of time. Thanks to everyone who joined us on a jam-packed show. Enjoy those big derbies. Come on, West Ham, <laughs> please. Uh, we'll see you next week. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.